Amen. We've been talking about letting go of whatever makes you stop. You know, whatever's keeping you from moving to the place that God's called and created you to be, you want to let go of. Somebody say amen. You know, we, don't, we just don't want to be bogged down, held back by stupid stuff that we shouldn't allow to dictate our life. Jesus said, John 10.10, 10, I've come that you might have and enjoy life in abundance to the full till it overflows. We've been given access to grace through faith. Grace doesn't just, it's not a, something that covers your sin. The blood of Jesus washes your sin away. Right? But grace, it also empowers you. It, it is a, it, it is a, a agent that's injected into your life that causes you to come up and live above the circuit, you, I have strength for all things. I'm ready for and equal to anything that comes my way through Christ who is infusing me with this inner strength. What is that? That's God's grace on your life that empowers you to do what you couldn't do before. Well, God, how come if there's God life and there's victory in Jesus? Remember that one? How many of you guys were in church back in the day? Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. There's victory in Jesus. Are you in Christ? How come you're defeated? What's going on here? What's keeping me out of this abundant, victorious, you know, devil booty kicking existence that God's called me to? How come my life's supposed to be humiliating to hell, but I feel humiliated? Well, because there's stuff that holds us back. And we got to learn to recognize it. We talked about the past. Last week, Shelby talked about anxiety. This week, we're going to deal with one of them. That every single one of us come to this room today, every one of us, and we have this on us. And it's insecurity. Some, you know, it, some of us have got a little dose. Some have got a huge dose. It, there's just insecurity everywhere we look. And that insecurity is keeping us from pressing through into the life that Jesus has called us to. Hello? Now, we get, we got to lighten you up. You guys, you, you, you look like you're so insecure, you don't even want to smile. <laughs> i got the right group. Okay, so you call up the psychiatric hotline, they answer the telephone, and they say this. If you're obsessive-compulsive, please press 1 repeatedly. If you're codependent, please ask someone to press 2. If you have multiple personalities... Please press 3, 4, 5, and 6. If you're paranoid delusional, this will help you out. We know who you are and what you want. Stay on the line so we can trace this call. If you're schizophrenic, listen carefully. A voice will tell you which number to press. If you're a manic depressive, it doesn't matter. We're not ever going to answer. You know, we make light of this. These are real serious issues. And some of us... We're not dealing with issues like that, but every one of us are dealing with issues of insecurity. And if you allow that insecurity to stay and hang, it'll put roots in and it'll become serious. Hello? I said it'll become serious in your life because it's like a cancer that starts to eat away. To some degree, every one of us are struggling with insecurity. It affects our abilities, our status, our relationship. It, you know, we begin to believe that we're not good enough. We're afraid to take risks. We don't think that we're capable. We're not lovable. It's insecurity. It's luggage and it's baggage that needs to be checked. You don't just go through life 
carrying this stuff with you. You got to get free from it. And today we're going to check some baggage. Amen. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Hey, real quick, what I need, I need four men, four women. Just jump up. Who, it doesn't make any difference who you are. Jump up and come. Jump up and come, or I'm going to come get you. Okay? Four men, four women. Here we go. This is easy. This is not a trick. This is not, come on. Four men. Hey, I got four men. I got two women. Men on one side, women on the other. You guys can figure that out, right? Three women. I need a fourth woman. You coming? Well, yeah, you're standing. Oh, I got four. Okay, guys, stand on that side of the whiteboard. Girls, stand on that side of the whiteboard. What we're going to do is in just a second, oh, man, I'm excited. In just a second, I'm going to give you each 10 seconds. No more talking, by the way, amongst yourself. Steve, rule breaker. Um, we're we're going to be dealing with that next week. Okay. But, uh, and you're just going to draw on the whiteboard, and, and I'm going to start you off. You each have 10 seconds, okay? No talking. At the end, when I say time, you walk off, and the next guy grabs the pen and gets going. Okay, ready? But before we start, let, let me just give you something to work with here, because th- this will just be great. Okay, see that? Okay, ready? Go. We're timing. Time. 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 Step away. Wow. Give him a hand, everybody. Come on. All right. These uh, pieces of art will be for sale after the service as a fundraiser for art class. All of us, when we're born, we come into life, it's like we have a blank canvas. And people, situations, moments, they put marks on our life. They begin to to paint on our life. And some people, you know, they kind of have some vision of what they're doing. And others do not. Some, some, some of the, some of the, some of the impact of our life makes sense while others just makes a mess. It's just chaos. It's just, you know, and then we go through life and we're marked. And because of the picture that we present, we end up with some pretty heavy duty insecurities because we didn't start off, you know, wanting to become, you know, a flower. Or an amoeba. Or, you know, we, we, we don't know, you know, but others begin to shape and define by the marks on our life who we are, what we look like, how we're received, where we're welcome, where we're not. And it starts changing us and the way that we go through life. It ends up a mess 
because of the marks of others. See, insecure people. If you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. Insecure people, eventually, you'll struggle in relationship. Every relationship will struggle because of insecurity because, well, it's constant maintenance. Constantly making sure that you're okay. Constantly dealing with that insecurity. Insecurity, it will sabotage your future. Go to work. Shouldn't apply for that promotion. Not going to get it anyways. I'm not good enough. Insecurity will sabotage your future. Insecurity will cause you to eventually become critical of others. Because others in your life begin to excel, but you're not comfortable there. So since you can't hang there, you gotta pull people down. And you gotta, you gotta undermine them. You gotta become critical of them to keep them close to you. Insecurity will put a lid on your own potential. You get a little breakthrough. Two weeks later, you're back down because your insecurity talks you out of what you just got hold of. You get healed. A few days later, symptoms show up and you take them back because, well, you know what? I'm not, I, I must not be doing, doing very good. You know, the word insecurity literally means self-doubt. Self-doubt. So right off the bat, you're living upside down and backwards. Your insecurity negates your spiritual growth, and you begin to make statements like, well, God didn't want to heal me. Or maybe He's teaching me a lesson in this, because I'm not good enough to receive what He's done for others. What He's doing for others, I know, and and that's wonderful, but you don't understand where I come from. And you have made the issue about you. And you got to realize, healing... Salvation, deliverance, it really ain't got much to do with you. It's for you, it impacts you, it affects you, but it ain't about you. Hello? See, you ain't ever going to be good enough to deserve God. But you couldn't be bad enough to not be acceptable to Him. There isn't any way God could love you any more than He already does. And there's nothing you do that would make Him love you any less. But insecurity... See, the enemy's trying to rip from your grip, your future, your family, your faith. And he uses your past, and he uses anxiety, and he uses insecurity to sabotage your ability to put your confidence and trust in God. He has you living as though it's about you. You think it's about the picture that your life portrays. So what God needs to do to release us from insecurity, is he needs to have a little visit. You and I need to have a moment where we come into contact with the presence and the anointing of the Most High. Because you can't do this on your own. You know, one of my favorite things about the anointing, the anointing does so many things, but there is one function of the anointing that just rocks my world, and it's, it's the ability to collapse time. You know, we've talked about it b- before, but it, it bears repeating. If, if you've ever broken your collarbone, anybody ever broken your collarbone? You guys that have broken it, you know, it hurts. If you haven't broken yours yet, don't. Serious, man, that hurts. 
and they don't do much for you. You know, they give you a couple of aspirin and a stupid thing they call a figure eight brace. And it, it's just a, you know, it's just a cloth thing. You stick your arms in, it holds your shoulders back. You only need it for a little while because you only reach forward once. When you, when you come back, you know, uh, when you're resuscitated, they, they, uh, uh, you know, you won't do that again for years. You just hold your shoulder back. It hurts. Eventually, all that pain's going to go, right? You guys that have broken your collarbone, eventually, the pain goes. It, eventually, the bone literally grows back together. And you end up with little knots on your collarbone. You can come up and check us out that have had our collarbones broken. We got knots on our collarbone. Where it grew back together. Well, if you broke your collarbone out in the parking lot today, and you came in and you said, hey, what does the Bible say? Well, the Bible says, if there's any sick among you, let them call on the elders of the church that will anoint them with oil. Pray the prayer of faith, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. That's another message. Most people think it says heal. It says save, which is really kind of interesting, and I know I have to hurry, but save and heal. Save, salvation includes healing. But anyways. Boom, the pain's gone. Boom, the bone's back together again. No, not. What's the miracle? Well, the bone's back together. No, it's not a miracle. The bone's going to grow back together anyways. Well, the pain's gone. That's a miracle. No, the pain's going to leave eventually anyways. What's the miracle? The, the collapse of time. That's a miracle. That what would take a big old chunk of time, God gets just like that, it's done. See, what you need is to have a collision with the presence of God, so that today when you leave this room, the baggage that you brought in ain't baggage no more. That the stuff on your life is taken away by the hand of God Himself. And you want to know what's totally, radically cool? Is He's here right now to change you. See, God's plan is not for you to live with insecurity. Look at Isaiah 32, 18. We talk about this scripture all the time. My people are going to dwell in a peaceful habitation, a safe dwelling, in quiet resting places. My people shall dwell in a secure dwelling. Security is God's plan for your life. Hope, future, peace. That's God's plan. The enemy comes to take from you what God's trying to develop in you. And he begins to mark on you. And you begin to focus on that instead of what God's called, created, and equipped you for. Now, let's look at a story this morning. Go to your Bible. Go to John chapter 4, verse 3. We'll start there, and we're going to read for just a minute. Jesus left Judea and started for Galilee again. This time, he had to go through Samaria. And on his way, he came to the town of Sychar, and it was near the field that Jacob had long ago given to his son, Joseph. And the well that Jacob had dug was still there, and Jesus sat down beside it because he was tired from traveling. It was noon, and after Jesus' disciples had gone into town to buy some food, a Samaritan woman came to draw water from the well. And Jesus asked her, would you please give me a drink of water? You're a Jew, she replied, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink of water when Jews and Samaritans don't have anything to do with each other? Jesus answered, you don't know what God wants to give you. 
and you don't know who is asking you for a drink. If you did, you'd ask me for the water that gives life. Sir, the woman said, you don't even have a bucket. Might I just point out that the next time you visit with Jesus at the well, don't tell him he ain't got no bucket. This well is deep. Where are you going to get life-giving water? Our ancestors dug this well. His family, his animals got water from it. Are you greater than Jacob? And Jesus answered and said, well, everyone who drinks from this well is going to thirst again. But nobody who drinks the water that I give will ever be thirsty again. Nobody that drinks from this water ever going to be thirsty again. It's eternal life. Look at verse 15. The woman replied, sir, give me a drink. I want that water, so I'll never have to come to this well again. I don't want to ever have to do my chores. Isn't that how we come to God? We are kind of fixated on getting out of work, and He is fixated on making His Word work. Totally different message. Jesus said, go and bring your husband. He's going to help her understand what he's talking about, because she's just trying to get out of chores. So he shifts it. Go get your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. He replied, that's right. You're telling the truth. You don't have a husband. You've been married five times, and the man you're now living with isn't your husband. I love her response. Sir, I can see you are a prophet. Jesus, reading our mail. My ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews say Jerusalem is the only place to worship. He said, believe me, the time is coming when you won't worship the Father either on this mountain or in Jerusalem. But the time is come now. Well, wait, I'm skipping ahead. You Samaritans don't really know the one you worship. We Jews do know the God we worship. And by using us, God's going to save the world. Look at 23. But the time is coming and now is. It's already here. Everybody say, it's now. True worshipers are being led by the Spirit to worship the Father according to the truth. These are the ones... The Father is seeking to worship Him. There's a time coming when people are going to rivet their eyes and attention on God. And they're going to worship. And the Father is seeking anyone who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. If God's looking for worshipers, don't you think you and I should become that? Okay. I just think that we ought to become that. What does it mean? It means to to have your eyes, your heart, your mind riveted. On him. See, here's what happens when you meet Jesus at the well. Let's just take this story and break it down a little bit. Because that's what God wants to do in our lives today. Here comes this woman, and she's had a crazy life. She comes with intense issues. Okay, There, there have been t- moments in her life that have marked her. Okay, she's coming. It's noon. It's the sixth hour. It's noon. It's hot. Nobody goes and gets their water at noon. They get up and go in the morning in the cool of the day. But here's this woman and it's during the heat of the day. She's at the well. Why? Well, because she's an outcast. Nobody wants to be with her. Nobody's her friend. Nobody wants to help her. And she doesn't fit in. She's been married five times. She's living with the guy. She, in the day and age she lives, she's lucky to be alive. 
And she goes out in the middle of the day because she's on her own. And she gets to a place where she runs into Jesus. Can you imagine that when she got there, Jesus was already there waiting for her? When we read that he had to go through Samaria, listen, let me tell you why he had to go there, because he had to set this woman free. Do you realize that before you got out of bed this morning, Jesus was planning where he's going to meet you? Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. I know you think this service is about people sitting across the room because they really need it more than you. But honest to God, they brought you here today to work on your life. And what Jesus does with this woman is he begins to help separate her from the events of her life. See, the first thing that we've got to do to be free from insecurity is we've got to be separated from the events of our life. The events of our life mark us. And they make us look like a flower or they make us look like a mess. But one way or the other, we come out and we think that is the picture of our life. It isn't. Those are the events of our life. Look at your neighbor and say, that's just an event. She's married five times. Nobody wants her. Nobody wants to be seen with her. She's lucky to be alive. She ends up there alone. Nobody's helping her out. Other woman would go to the well in the morning. She's there. Jesus is there meeting her. He sees she's got baggage. He knows that she's not only unacceptable, she's unbelievably unacceptable. But he says, just because that happened doesn't mean that you are not acceptable to me. No one wants to come get water with you. You hang out alone. Nobody likes you anymore, but you're still valuable to me. Jesus begins to separate the woman from the event. We've all had events. We've all blown it. We've all messed up. You've made mistakes. Some big, some small. People say ugly things about all of us. They paint horrendous pictures about us. Things have been done that have hurt you. Your parents have hurt you. Your bosses have hurt you. Your co-workers have hurt you. And churches that you've been to have hurt you. But it doesn't mean you're not valuable. you got to separate the person from the event. It's like this $20 bill. If I was to ask you this morning, how many of you want this? Hands go up. Okay, people want this. And I begin to crush it. How many of you still want this? Oh, they still want it. I'm going to walk on it and put it under my feet. How many of you still want this? I'm going to add my DNA. (laughs) Hands are still up. What's the point? The condition of this bill does not change the value of it. The condition of your life doesn't change the value of you. Life has marked you. It has shaped you. You've got stuff on you and in you that shouldn't be there. But Jesus loves you anyways. Look at 1 Corinthians 7.23. What a great verse. You are bought with a price. Purchased with a preciousness and paid for by Christ. Paid for by Christ. Christ values you. Oh, come on, somebody. Right about there, you just ought to, you can breathe now. 
Hey, others might not, but God values you. His blood poured down for you. Stripes on his back received for you. Spear in his side he took for you. Thorns on his head, a horrible death, because he loves you, regardless of your current condition. Regardless of your current condition. The events don't define you. They've only marked you. So you've got to let Jesus separate you from the event. The second thing that you've got to do is begin to embrace the vision that Jesus has for you. People are making marks on our whiteboard. When they're painting on the canvas of our life, they don't know God's vision. His plan is security. His plan is hope. His plan is future. Those people don't know that. Matter of fact, when you're marking on the whiteboard of someone else's life, have you stopped to see God's vision for that person? Or do you just start marking away? Because you see something, and it's a picture in your mind, and you saw this, and you thought, that's a flower. Well, obviously it isn't. Obviously it's a crack in life. What do you paint? Do you stop and ask God, what's your vision for this person? Or do you let their actions determine how you're going to color on the whiteboard of their world? The fact is, is that all of us are guilty of saying the wrong thing, painting the wrong color, using the wrong brush. We're supposed to be the brush in the hand of God. His hand extended, but often it's not His fingerprint that we leave. The deal is, is that We have got to embrace God's vision. If you can't see it for you, you're never going to see it for others. How many times have people... I think it's one of the most asked questions that we get. How do I know the will of God? If you you don't know the will of God for your life, can I just share this with you? And please don't be offended. But if you do not know God's will for your life, it's time you read your Bible. Have you heard Jeremiah 29.11? I know the thoughts and the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not harm you. Plans to give you a hope in the future. That's God's will for your life, to prosper you, not harm you. God's will for your life is hope. God's will for your life is future. Why would we rivet our attention on the past when God's plan is future? Well, because it's baggage that we got to get free from. God's plan for your life is to have your canvas cleaned. Time is coming. It's here. It's now when people will worship in spirit and in truth. Anyone, anyone. I know you've been married five times. I know you're an outcast. I know you're alone in the heat because nobody wants to be with you. I, but I still love you. I still value you. And I still have a plan for your life. You gotta embrace the vision that God has for you. And recognize that plan is based off insane value that's been put on you. Ever go to an auction? Ever get online and check out eBay? Anybody buy on eBay here? Check this out. Michael Jordan's unwashed socks sold for $7,500. Keith is selling his for 350 today, right after the service. Michael Jackson's white glove, 
Elvis Presley had a TCB necklace taking care of business. You know what it sold for? One million dollars. Tom Hanks tennis shoes from the movie Castaway got 2,500 bucks for them. I was even able to find one of my own worship CDs at St. Vincent de Paul for 95 cents. Everything, serious, everything, everything has a value. Somebody asked me last night, did you buy it? And I said, no, I thought it was a ripoff at that price. But uh, we are valuable. There's a doctor, Harold Marowitz, who wrote in the Journal of Hospital Practice. practice. He broke down the, the body, the skin, the brain, the tissues, the enzymes, the blood. Uh, the, the average American, the average person, human, the average person, that all of the body put together, when you break it down, is worth $6,015.44. You're the $6 million man. You have great value, but the enemy doesn't want you to see that. He tells you that you're worthless. But the fact is, is that you're not worthless. You're incredibly valuable. And Jesus has a vision for your life that's much bigger and stronger and better than the insecurity that tries to plague your life. Today, you've got to let Jesus separate you from the events of your life. You did it. It happened. Whether it's your fault or not, that's not the issue. you got to accept the fact that God wants to separate you from the event and realize that He has a vision for your life. And you got to let Jesus put the broken pieces of your life back together again. you got to release yourself in His hand. We walk around with insecurity that is hurting our relationships. It's capped our potential. It's limiting our future. It stagnates our spiritual growth. It causes us to, to, to live a life lower than the life God's called us to. It ruins us. And we've just learned to accept it. The reality is, is that I don't think we ought to accept what God's come to set us free from. Whether you're 25, 45, 65 years old, it doesn't make any difference. We all have insecurity, but we've also all learned to deal with it, to just let it hang, to carry it around with us. It's acceptable. But God didn't create you to deal with insecurity. You know, it's so cool in this story that Jesus sits down, He talks with her. He encourages her. He values her. And by the time he's done, she jumps up and leaves the water jar. What she thought she was coming for. She realized that what she was searching for was all the wrong things. I mean, can't you see that in the story that what Jesus said? He said, you know what? I'm going to give you a drink and you're never going to be thirsty again. She said, oh, I, I want that drink. I don't want to ever come back to this well. And remember where he shifted the story and began to have her look at life you know, from a little different perspective? What was he saying? I know you're missing something. You've been married five times. The guy you're with now is not even your husband. You're looking for something, and you keep looking, but you're still thirsty. But if you come to me, I'll give you a drink, and you'll never thirst again. What is it in your life that you're still searching for? What is it that has you going back and back and back through the same routines over and over and over again? keeps knocking you down. Jesus is saying to you today, come to me. 
And I'll fill that need. Come to me. Come to me. Let me separate you from the events in your life. Let me prove how much I value you by putting the pieces back together again. See, we think our value and our future is based on the marks. But the fact is, he's just coming in to clean up the whiteboard. He just needs a little time. What took years to get on you, he's going to take off of you. Just a few moments in his presence. If you could just come into his arms, let him do to you what only he can do, you get to walk out of here today unmarked. You get to start over. And then tomorrow, you know what's going to happen? Somebody's going to mark you again. But tomorrow will be a little easier because you get it. All I got to do is go back into the presence of Jesus. And even the mess that some dude did up here, Jesus can deal with. Now, I got to tell you something. I don't have the same anointing that Jesus does. Because if you look, you can still see the ugliness that was put on this board. When Jesus is done with you, you can't see it. How many of you parents have had a moment when, you know, I'm not, I'm not talking about your kid does something stupid. Because that's like, that could happen in any minute. How many of you have had a, a moment in life when, when your child did something that you knew was going to mark them for life? When they had made a decision, when they had made a choice, when they had performed an action. And they were in such a state, but there was nothing you could do to help them. Now i got to tell you something. There, there have been moments, you know, little phone calls that come in. And that moment, I'm like, I mean, literally, rip your heart out. Because you can't do anything about it. Kind of like at that moment with us. Because you come today and you have insecurities. You have baggage. Every one of us. And there's nothing I can do for you. But He can do something for you. This morning, I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. It was early. And we, you know, we're kind of designing these services so that we can have a moment in the presence of God so that you can leave here changed. And I would ask you, you know, hey, how many of you are ready to be free from your insecurity? But if insecurity has a grip on you, that's going to be really hard to respond. So this morning, we're just going to, in worship, we're going to get back in the presence of God. And I want to, I want to beg you, I want to encourage you. Let Jesus put you back together again. I mean, if you can't, find your way to the altar and prayer partners will minister to you. But if you are just there, right in your chair, trust me, you can have a moment at the well with Jesus today. Because long before you got here, He got there. And He's waiting 
to put you back together. Today as you sing, you're all I want. God, you're, you're all I ever needed. I don't want anything. I don't need a drink from any other well. I'm coming to you today. Let Jesus separate you from the events of your life.